Hey, Ding Dongs, I'm Jamie. I'm Richard. And this is Explain It to Jamie. You heard correct. We're back. I am Jamie, a curious young man from Toronto who is politically innocent and uh, uh, wants to be <laughs> violated. <laughs> Uh, by my friend Richard, oh. who is politically, <laughs> who is politically savvy. Wow, it's uh, like we haven't missed a beat. Really. <laughs> yeah, back in the saddle, and it's like we never left. <laughs> well, I, str- I, I, I stumbled over saying "young man" because I am now a thirty-year-old beast. That's right. Uh, <laughs> uh, who should know better, but still doesn't. That's right. A lot can change in eleven months, everybody. Yeah, Jamie and I have both turned the dial in a new decade in our lives. That's right. We're thirty. 30 years old, making investments. Yep. Like, I don't know, regretting things. <laughs> We're attending physiotherapy regularly for all the strange maladies our bodies have developed. Yeah. We're, uh, we're thinking about, about new mattresses. <laughs> you know, like these are, I just got a new mattress. You just, you just got a new and mattress. And I'm thinking about in my next one. <laughs> I've been researching a new mattress, actually. Um, we're back, guys. We're back. I know it's been a while, um, but hey, you know. Good to see you too. Yeah, How, yeah. Why be so fucking rude about it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's just look. Let's not go around pointing fingers at who took an eleventh month break and who said they were gonna be back in a couple weeks. Yeah, and... we're busy people. I, as I've mentioned, am politically innocent. And last year, I feel like I was exposed to so much politics that I have literally looked under the cloak of death herself (laughs) and I needed to sleep for 10 months. Jamie was like one of those people who looked directly at the eclipse last year (laughs) and like there's a permanent burn on his retinas that's shaped like Jeff Sessions' face. (laughs) Hey, speaking of looking at the eclipse, I I need something explained to me uh, this weekend. What's that, Jamie? Richard... Donald Trump. Okay. Our last episode on Donald Trump, if you'll remember, was who has been fired from the Donald Trump White House recently. Right. Oh, remember those days. It was a heady day. They were innocent days. Oh, my God. How we pranced fancy free. Do you remember when we were, like, innocently following the soap opera? I mean, it was always infuriating and sort of a macabre nightmare parade. Yeah. But back in the day, it was kind of like, oh, there's these wacky characters, like... um, like Scaramucci. You remember Scaramucci? <laughs> yeah. Remember when that was the dude we had to care about? Nowadays, you open the paper and it's like there's a coiled up boxing glove on a spring that just punches <laughs> you directly in your soul. <laughs> and uh, yeah, which is what which what brings us to uh, hopefully a hopeful note, which is the midterm elections. Yeah. Rico. I have bad news for you. <laughs> um, yes, we're talking today about the American midterm elections, which, due to the power of future sound tricks, um, should be happening the week that this releases. Wow, future sound tricks. Yeah. That sounds so futury and tricky. Wow. <laughs> um, anyway, what, what say we hop back into this theme song? I think that we should spool it up for old time's sake. Roll it, motherfucker! What a soundtrack. Sure tugs on the old heartstrings, doesn't it? Oh my god, it's nice, but you know what? Change is here, and I think we should make a new one. Yeah, I wouldn't be crushed if somewhere along the line the theme song got revamped at some point. Yeah. Okay, so how about we, uh, yeah, hop into the midterm elections. Alright, Jamie, what do you know about American midterm elections? Richard, let me tell you this. 
Okay, I know. <laughs> first of all, I forgot about this bit that we do. And second, <laughs> but what I do know is that, you know, about a year, like a year and a bit ago, mm-hmm. the whole country of the United States suffered a massive brain spasm right. and accidentally elected a goblin cheese puff <laughs> to be its its ruler. Right. You know, we've had some we've had some problems along the way, some 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 missteps. But here we are, our opportunity, well, America's opportunity to fix the thing they they uh, they broke and to right the world back into place. Am I correct? This is this is that moment. It's like the sad version. (laughs) (laughs) I think that what you're expressing is like the hope and dream of many people. The truth is that, you know, this is uh, planet Earth in 2018. It's a never ending uh, nightmare hellscape of all of our darkest horrors being made real all the time. I have noticed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, um, so while there is some hope on the horizon for the midterm elections, um, you know, it's it's this is the real world, and there's a good chance things are gonna get worse before they get better. But how is this possible, Richard? Everybody, <laughs> everybody seems to disagree with Donald Trump. Everybody, like yeah. the, the 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 outcrying consensus seems to be, "Oops, you know, we <laughs> oh no, ah, uh, you know, what have we done?" And like, how is it possible that that it continue? I mean, I guess these midterm elections, they're not for the presidency that's correct therefore the congress yeah so let's talk a bit that's a great question how is it possible that we're not just going to you know go whoops and then like shoot donald trump out of a huge catapult into a volcano (laughs) well what's on the docket for the midterm elections is oh the midterm elections happen on november 6th okay um get out to vote yeah get out to vote everybody (laughs) um and what's on the docket is all of congress so the congress is all getting reelected because mm-hmm. congress only sits for two-year terms that's sure. part of the deal congress being the act between a man and a woman <laughs> to, to, that's right uh in a, enact the, the that's legal right. binding and this marriage. year america votes on what parts of all of the foreplay <laughs> and post-coital talk will be included in the official american intercourse for the next two years yeah is cuddling is gonna make it in? It's looking a little bit hairy. Not in Ontario. Too <laughs> <laughs> real. Yeah. Uh, uh. <laughs> um, okay. Um, so every seat in Congress, all 538 of them, are up for re-election, mm-hmm. um, and this is where the Democrats stand to actually make a lot of gains and where hope could be. There's a good chance the Democrats could retake control of Congress, which would not be a terrible thing. Right. However, um, only one third of the Senate is up for re-election, and that's built into the way the system works. Congress people serve two-year terms, which means that they get voted, they get elected in the same year as the president, but then they have to get re-elected again halfway into the president's term, the mm-hmm. midterm election. Right. Um, but senators serve six-year terms, so every two years, a third of them get re-elected. So uh-huh. they kind of have like a rolling system. So, right. the so it never switches over. Exactly. And that's right. they're supposed to have a little more longevity. Congress people are supposed to be really, really accountable to their vote to the voters. And so that's why they're up for election so frequently. Uh-huh. And senators are supposed to be a little more protected from the voters. They're supposed to be able to be a bit more independent, be do a bit more long term planning, et cetera, et cetera. Right, right. That's in the like idealized form of things. So like you, you know Okay, but like, okay, let's say best case scenario, right? 
which I, you know, I, I hesitate even to say this is the best case scenario. But like, let's say just it's an overwhelming smash by the, the Democrats and we just get a whole bunch right. of Democratic Congress well, people. He, well, here is the situation. The situation is in order for the Democrats to, Democrats to take over the House, they need to win 23 more seats than they have right now. There's a really good chance that they could do that because right now there's actually like 75 seats that are that are really um, that are really close. How many do they have right now? The Democrats, yeah, like total seats. Oh my God, they have 190 something. Oh okay, one sec. Let me, oh okay, so it's, it's uh, like I guess I'm I don't need exact numbers. I'm just looking for a yeah. percentage. So it's yeah. not like they have 10 and they need. There's 538 more. seats in the in Congress. It's a big table. It is. And so <laughs> and so the fact that 23 seats will flip the balance of power should tell you how close it is. Right, right, right. right. So there's 75 seats that are toss-ups and 75 seats that are quite competitive. They're close. There's right. 20, 30 seats right now that are totally 50-50. And of those 30, 28 of them are currently held by Republicans. So there's a really good chance that Democrats could make the gains that they need to make. You know, there's it's it's historically speaking, the party that's not the president's party does well in the midterms because people tend to get pissed off at the president and and vote, you know, vote out the. the Why would party. anybody get pissed off at Donald Trump? I don't know. I mean, I think he's you know, I love hearing about him every day. I can't watch you say that. <laughs> I, can't, I can't. It makes me feel sick. <laughs> a, spider, a fucking yeah. spider came out of my mouth as I said that. It just walked across my face. Um yeah, so but this goes all the way back to like World World War One. This mm. precedent where like the president gets elected, and then for two years all the people who hate the president get really angry, and generally the angry people are the ones who are more energized going into the midterms. Right. Midterms suffer from like brutally bad voter turnout usually because they're just not as sexy and exciting as the presidential races. Mm -hmm. So, like the voter turnout for um, the two thousand. Uh, 12 presidential election was like 60 percent and mm. then the voter turnout for the 2014 midterm election was 37 percent right like wow. close to half of the people show up right, right so right. generally speaking the people who are pissed enough to show up are the people who are mad at the president and almost always like only twice in the 20th century ever right. did the president's party pick up seats at the okay. midterm and then only a couple Right. Never, never a big swing. So, okay, so we have this thing, this like societal backlash that is a regular pattern where people bat, like go against the president, yeah. and Congress, uh, the president's Congress, perceivably loses power, gains power, whatever it is, but they lose power. How mm -hmm. does that hinder the president? So, it, it, it hinders him, and I mean, it's going to make him furious, sure, eh? and hasten. I'm sure the already rapid degradation of his mental faculties into absolute mush. Um, <laughs> but but also, you know, um, with the Democrats in control of Congress, they gain control of the Robert Mueller special investigation into like ties with Russia uh -huh. because Congress is overseeing that investigation. They gain the ability to impeach the president, although it is incredibly unlikely that they will convict that the president will get convicted of an impeachment. Sure. Remember, no. We have a whole episode on impeachment. If you want to dip back into the archives for that, to yeah. go through the technicalities of this, basically, that, that's one of those episodes that doesn't go bad. Yeah, it, you can definitely check that one out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but basically, Congress impeaches the president, which means they accuse him of doing something unpresidential. Yeah. And then the Senate is supposed to like have the trial and decide if it's true or not, and he should get kicked out of the presidency. Right. Two presidents 
have been impeached, but none have ever actually gotten even to the stage where the trial happened because they both resigned before um, before that before that was the case. Right. Yeah, I can imagine. Can you imagine going through like a three-year trial, like just yeah, like it would brutal, be brutal grinding be trial, just to, yeah. Um, and it's worth saying that even though that's sort of a sexy, fun idea, impeachment of Donald Trump is not fully something that the Democrats have staked their campaign on. Right. Which you, which is a kind of a mixed. Uh, I'm feel mixed about it. I don't think it'll do anything, but I do think it will drive Donald Trump crazy. You know sure. what I mean, let's do it. <laughs> why, right, right, right. why not? Um, however, the real problem is that, um, again, like I said, a third of the Senate is up for re-election, and unfortunately for the Democrats, it just so happens that this year, um, 26 Democratic seats are up for re-election and nine Republican seats are up for re-election. Oof. So the Democrats have to re-win every single seat that they're that they're still holding now and pick up two seats from the Republicans in order to tip the balance of power in the Senate, and that's hard. It's it's not totally impossible, but they just can't fuck up at all in order for it to happen. Isn't that crazy, though, Richard? <laughs> Isn't that crazy, though, that like that that even after the this year we've had, you know, even after all, like, yeah, yeah all this stuff mm-hmm. that it, it would take, it, things have to go like perfectly yeah. to to take two seats. Well, one of the reasons that it's so difficult for them is, um, I don't know if you remember this term, but what was called the blue wall, which is like um, all of the typically Democratic states in the Midwest, like in the North, that were like more working class states that generally had a strong Democratic support presence that usually went to that went to Barack Obama, mm-hmm. but they didn't go to Hillary Clinton, right? They flipped for Donald Trump in this election. That was a big part of the upset that he pulled. Right. A lot of those seats are up for re-election. So these are sitting Democratic senators. Six years ago, these Democrats were elected before Trump was the president, but uh. now these states have since gone for Donald Trump. So these Democratic senators uh. are sitting on seats that are now red states. So they're all vulnerable, right? These are people who generally, they don't like the Republican Party, they don't like Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan and all these other pieces of shit, sure. but they love Donald Trump and the kind of outrage machine that he represents and the power that he makes them feel. Right. So the Democrats in these cases are faced with this really difficult political situation. How many people in the United States do you think are like, want Donald Trump to keep being president purely for the reason that like, Stephen Colbert is really funny. <laughs> <laughs> definitely a Stephen Colbert. I think. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like definitely the 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 network president. That's I think. I mean, network news has been having a fucking field day with the with the news cycle right now. It's just been crazy. You know, it's yeah. like a war out there. Um, there's a lot of people who I'm sure just are here for the circus and feel kind of protected from the actual chaos it'll, it'll cause. Yeah, and those people are terrible, and we should despise them <laughs> yeah they're sort of like the entertainment industry version of uh, of ambulance chasers yeah exactly yeah, exactly yeah. um i should say i should take this moment to talk to you about um so another reason that this is going to be really hard for the democrats yeah. is that um republicans control a lot of the like state legislatures so also up for re-election in all, all across the country are a, a bunch of like governorships like who becomes the governor of a state and like the state legislature you know who makes the laws in the state mm. itself um and the problem is that a lot of the state legislatures are republican obama really ignored like the Democrats under Obama ignored state races and tried to concentrate all their energy into the presidency, right. but they lost tons and tons of 
state legislatures, state senates, uh-huh. and governorships under Obama. And the result of this is that Republican states are making it unbelievably hard for Democratic voters to vote in that state. They're doing every single disgusting, underhanded, bullshit <laughs> trick they can pull to try to stop Democrats from voting. And like usually... What? stop black people and minorities from voting. So there's many things happening here. The most offensive thing that has happened is in North Dakota, where just about, what day is it today? It's the 19th, I think? The 21st. So about two weeks ago, on October 9th, um, they passed a new voter ID law. So one of the main ways that you stop people from voting is voter ID laws. And what you do is you look at who holds what kinds of IDs in your state because you have that data available Uh, to you and then you take a look at what kind of IDs the people who don't vote for you have and you make those IDs unusable for voting. Right. So So you have a hunting license. That's a perfect ID. And in North Dakota, which is uh, an important Democrat state because it's a really tight swing state, um, they recently made a, a... a change on October 9th that says that your ID has to have your residential street address on it or it's not eligible to vote. And the issue here is that North Dakota has a lot of indigenous reservations and those they use P.O. boxes and don't have street addresses. And it's estimated that 5,000 indigenous people will not be able to vote in this election if they do not find a way to get a residential street address in the next two weeks. And and they vote heavily Democrat. And last year, the Democrat won by 3,000 votes. So the 5,000 people who can no longer vote actually make the balance. Right. Right? That's a brutal example. Right. Wow. Yeah. Oof. In another example, Georgia's been having a brutal change to its voter ID laws. What's happened in Georgia is they made a change where if your voter registration doesn't exactly match the uh, info from your from your uh, ID with no typos of any kind, then it's put on uh, it's put on pause. So your registration's frozen. It won't work wow. until you sort it out, right? So fifty thousand people, um, ha- or fifty three thousand people, just had their voter registration frozen in Georgia. Seventy percent of them are black. Wow. So wait, what? What? what, what sorry, say that again. So what? there's so you have a voter registration, yeah, and then you have like your ID. Right. They're two separate things. And if there's any discrepancy between like any of the information on your voter registration and your ID, including like a missed hyphen in your last name, a typo, right, your right. registration gets frozen. And for some reason, this obviously di- massively disproportionately affected black people who massively vote Democrat in Georgia. Sure. Also, in I, Georgia, when, I, that, when I was in London and I was coming home in the airport, for whatever reason, on my ticket home my name had been spelt wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't think I did, but maybe I did. Yeah. It was spelt wrong. Yeah. And it cost me like $180 yes. to get let on the airplane. I was right. like, what just happened? Like you just took... You made a typo. Yeah, right? you made and a typo I'm and I just lost $180. Yeah, it's that, but for all of society. Right, right. Yeah. And I mean, there's also like less subtle things too. Like in Georgia just last week, Um, There was like a bus full of black seniors being bused to an early voting station that was stopped by the cops, pulled over, told they didn't have a correct license to drive people to the polling station, and they made them all get off and go home. Get off the bus? Yeah, they made them get off the bus 
and go home. So they're just like stopping buses of black voters and telling them they can't be going to the polls. You know, like it's not it's not subtle. And it's very clear what's happening. Right, right. And in in a lot of tight swing races where the Democrats really can't afford to lose a single seat in the Senate or else they won't make the majority. And if the if the Republicans keep the Senate and the Democrats win Congress, you know, no laws get passed. Right, right. right. That's just not going to happen. So the Democrats can make a lot of noise and they can start an impeachment proceeding and they can, you know, make the special investigation, Mueller's special investigation, very troublesome. They can't actually undo any of the damage being done. Right, right. Right? And they can't reverse a pre- like a, you know, an executive order either mm-hmm. if that president, that president Trump just drops by himself. Right. So if the... But Dem- there are limits to what that can be. Right? Yeah, there yeah. are... But, you know, he'll, he'll test the limits and it takes a, a court challenge to push them back and the court is stacked for the Republicans now. Um, right. The Supreme Court upheld these voter ID laws now that they have... Um, Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah, now that they have a conservative majority, right? right. Yeah. Oh, my God. Anyway, Is this it, buddy? This is, this is pretty <laughs> bad, man. This it's, is what I'm saying. This right. is pretty brutal. Holy um, shit. Yeah. I want to say, too, that, like... <laughs> This is this was the most mind-blowing thing, and I have to shout out Anthony McMahon for drawing my attention to this one, yeah. who's our longtime fact-checker, hopped right back in the, saddle, uh, in the saddle with us. He's so good, he was able to fact-check this before we even made the fucking episode. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, there's this crazy thing happening in the U.S. right now, also. This is this is future, future ball stuff. Um, future ball, that sport we all know and love, where we... Things happen in the future. Not everybody, the not everybody came from the future. <laughs> okay. Right, right, right. Sorry, yeah. I forgot yeah, that. Play you, it cool. Okay. That you non mutants, as we call you in the future, uh, <laughs> don't know about these things. Um, so, okay, get ready for a bit of a trip, Jeremy. Sure. So, constitutional amendments in America. They're a big deal, as we know. Yeah, they it can't be changed, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, they, they they can be changed. There's two ways you can make a constitutional amendment in America, and the first way is the way it's been done every single time the, there's ever been an amendment. Right. So you need two-thirds of Congress and two-thirds of the Senate to propose an amendment. Like, like Congress will be like, here's an amendment we want to do. Two-thirds of Congress has to be like, let's send this to the Senate. Then two-thirds of the Senate has to be like, okay, let's send this amendment into the states. And then three-quarters of the states have to vote in favor of the amendment, and then the amendment passes. Um, every And that's how every single time it's happened. Those are high numbers. It's hard to do. It generally only happens in very specific situations. And then generally there's a bunch of constitutional amendments in a row. Like they come in bursts because the conditions that allow them to happen are rare. Uh-huh. Right? You have to have so much... Um, control united control over yeah. all of the branches in all the states which is like how it's meant to be sure right um yeah but be pretty universal right? there's this weird other rule in the in the constitution that says that you can do an amendment um if you find the golden snake <laughs> <laughs> you can do an amendment if two-thirds of the states ask for a constitutional convention to be held right uh-huh. so Remember when I said that the Democrats had lost tons of states mm. and state legislatures and governorships? Yes. So at this moment, the number of states you need to ask for a constitutional convention is 34. There's 27 Republican-held states that have already asked for a constitutional convention to make an amendment about balance, about making it in the Constitution that you can't do spend it into the deficit, that you have to balance the budget. You can only make a budget 
that includes the amount of money like, that spends the amount of money that America takes in. You can't spend more, which is like very normal for a country. Sure. And they're so they need. I'm counting in my head. They need seven more uh, states before it's like technically the correct number. And they have them. There's seven Republican states that have not yet asked for this constitutional convention. Um, so there could be a constitutional convention as early as 2020. Right. And at that point... And that's the amendment they want to change. Uh, well, no. no. So they, th- th- that lets them oh. figure out what amendments they want to propose. Oh, and the crazy thing is, this rule was drafted in the 1700s, right after the American Revolution. And there's no precedent for what it means or what will happen at this convention. There's no precedent for what powers the convention has. There's no precedent for what kind of amendment they can propose. Once And once they propose it, it skips Congress and the Senate and goes straight to the state for voting. Oh, right? Shit. Yeah. And yeah, so if the Democrats oh. lose tons of states, they could just ram through it. They could ban abortion. They could do anything. Right. And, and the thing is, there's people who say, well, Congress and the Senate would have to set terms for... Um, for what the Constitutional Convention's allowed to make amendments on. Like, they could say, hey, if you ask for this to balance the budget, then you're not allowed to make an amendment banning abortion. You have to make an amendment about balancing the budget. But the thing is, the Constitutional Convention has only happened twice in America's history, both times in the 1700s, kind of after the country was being formed. And there's precedent that you could argue that both of those times, they just kind of played fast and loose with it. That they're not actually beholden to listen to, they can't listen they don't have to listen to congress or the senate they can do whatever the fuck they want in fact once in the 1700s they even said actually this one this amendment doesn't require three quarters of the states it only requires two-thirds of the states to approve it and then it's approved and that's a rule right and that's binding how many okay is it with the presidential term is that an amendment the like four four years yeah that could be only run twice that was a constitutional amendment i believe right so that could be changed that could be changed easily right Ban it, like I said, banning abortion could be changed. Um, they could do they could do a lot of really fucked up shit. They could repeal the Voting Rights Act, which um, which you know guarantees uh, black people don't vote. Well, yeah, well like, that's that, that is what it was. Yeah, it was like it, it basically guaranteed that race wasn't going to be like a limiting factor for how you voted. And uh-huh. there was all this before before voter suppression and voter ID laws, which are used now to control black people's votes and other people of color. Um, there were other just other things like in some place in the South, they'd like make you do a fucking literacy test before you voted because they were trying to stop black people who had lower rates of literacy from voting. There were some places where you just had to pay a huge like a fee that the white people could afford and the black people couldn't before you could vote and shit like that. Right. That was made all illegal by the Voting Rights Act and that could easily be undone. Anyway, the Constitutional Convention, it maybe is just like a weird nothingness. Right. But the pieces seem to, there are, there are interesting. But the reality groups. is that it's, it's kind of, um, uh, yeah. There are conservative interest groups who have been working very focused and hard on getting this Constitutional Convention to be a reality, and they are closer than they've probably ever been. The pieces are all in place for it to happen, and this midterm could easily just give them all the cards they need to play that card, to play it. Good, good, good. Yeah, cool. <laughs> good, okay. So keep an eye out for that. That's yeah. a dark alternate future that we could be facing very yeah. soon. Perfect. I'm going to need another 11 months off. After this. <laughs> yeah, I know. I warned you. <laughs> I warned you, bro. Yeah, it is, not, uh, it is not a happy return. No. But hey, the news never is, right? There is some interesting stuff happening, too. Like, there's some cool Democratic candidates. I mean, the Democrats are a bit of a fucking mess. 
right. I, I have to confess this this one because a lot of the the Democrat numbers for look really good for Congress. They're surging in a lot of areas, and they're they're getting a lot of kind of center right Republicans who were probably sort of who didn't like Hillary Clinton and were probably didn't really like Trump, but just kind of stayed sort of silent about it, or maybe voted for Trump hoping it wouldn't be that bad. Mm-hmm. He's pissed a lot of them off now. So a lot of suburban typical Republican voters are now going to vote Democrat. And in a lot of cases, the Democrats have found these kind of like more right-wing Democratic candidates. But it's a really, it's a huge, there's a huge diversity in Democratic candidates. There's no, the Democratic Party now is so large and crazy, it doesn't really mean anything anymore. Like there are Democratic candidates in New Mexico who are pro pro Medicare for all, you know, pro healthcare, universal healthcare, but then they're like super anti-immigrant, super closed border because they're in a border state. Sure. They're pro-gun control. You know what I mean? There are Democrats who are super uh, pro-gun control in Maine who are like universal health care people. There's, and then there's like, and then there's also some really exciting um, progressive leftist candidates too. Like you maybe have heard of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. The New York lady. Yeah, that's right. She pulled off this huge upset, this dude, this kind of like old 10-term incumbent Democrat guy. Yeah. This is a district that almost always goes Democrat. So the real race was in the primary, who was going to be the nominee. And she beat him. And it's a total upset. And she's very, very progressive and, and leftist. And right. is very has kind of become the face of the kind of leftist wing of the party. Right yeah, now. I saw her walking with Bernie or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. At least that's the image. Yeah. yeah, that's the image they sold me or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. The, the hope for that is that she's talked a lot about when she gets elected, knock on wood, it's unlikely that she won't, but I'm going to knock on wood anyway because we live in hell. <laughs> that that she could create a progressive caucus inside the Democratic Party, which means it's like a small, it's a group, like a voting block of leftist people inside the Democrats. Ideally, you get enough to hold the balance of power on a few things mm-hmm. and you refuse to vote on stuff unless it's pulled even farther to the left than most of the party wants it. It's like the opposite of what Hillary Clinton did. Yeah, that's right, where she pulled everything into the center. There is, like, the equivalent group in the Republicans. They're called the Freedom Caucus, and they're, like, the crazy assholes who refuse to support anything Obama does and blah, 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 blah. That was kind of, like, all held hostage by a group of about 30 Congress people, and she'd be interested in creating something on the other side, which, honestly, is maybe one of the only ways to pull the conversation far enough left. It's already happening. You know, like, healthcare is the major issue this year. That's fucked up because American politics is really weird in this way where it's like no one's talking about climate change the way that they should be. Right. It's not like a national issue. The national issue right now is health care, gun control, and immigration. Right. It's like right. where you stand on those three things determines a lot about your headline platform issues. Right, right. And this, I actually think this is kind of funny, is apparently how, like um, there's been this big flip and people are now really in support of Obamacare all across America, including in Republican states, because there was this like interesting effect that happened where when the Republicans tried to get rid of it, and you can listen to our Obamacare episode and the follow-up from our previous season for this, when they tried to get rid of it, people actually learned a lot about what it is, and now they're in support of it. Now that, because there's no, the misinformation got kind of corrected. Right, right. So, you know, three years ago, Hillary Clinton said that universal health care was never going to happen and it was like a pipe dream right. and now it's like very commonly talked about you know it's becoming a mainstream political well it's idea. a bit silly that it's not already there i absolutely agree with you but yeah but it gives that's if there's hope it's that the conversation 
is actually shifting left as it shifts right also you know like the more extreme ideas quote unquote extreme ideas on each side normal ideas for the rest of the world extreme left for the America right, right. Are, are becoming a part of the national conversation you know, universal healthcare seemed like a crazy pipe dream three years ago when we were doing the presidential campaign now it's very common for everyone has to address it in some way everyone has to reckon with it because right, it's right. entering the mainstream and that's hopeful well, that's good. Hey, yeah. look, we found it. Yeah, <laughs> a, it a little shred of hope. Yeah. Uh, that's nice. Um, but And actually, even, even if I can expand that shred uh-huh. um, to a full piece, um, <laughs> it, you know, the the idea that a, a group of people who previously thought Obamacare was like, you know, horrible and, and, and voted and worked and worked and worked to get rid of it can now open their eyes the next day in a, in a moment of sobriety and go, oh, crap, this yeah. thing was actually, it was actually better the way it was. Yep. That's like a, that feels to me like a massive step forward. It's if for no other reason than like, I haven't heard anyone on the news say, oh, I guess I was wrong. And like, forever. It's a breath of fresh air. Yeah. I agree. I, I'm, you know, one of the most depressing things is the idea that like, all of our ability in our mainstream conversations our, all of our ability to like take evidence and like change what we believe is eroding. It's all this like partisan ignorance machine. Right. Um, on the right, let's be real here. This is the thing on the right. right. Like on the left, there's obviously passion and fire and partisanship, but there's generally there's a policy culture on the left. There's an evidence-based policy culture, and the disagreements between the left and the right nowadays are about the left saying like, "Look at what's happening. We have to do something about fucking climate change," and the people on the right just going like plugging their ears and screaming because it's politically against what it's against them making money for the people they're supposed to be making money for and that means they have to make the average right-wing person think it's a bad idea right right do you think there's a i i think this sometimes first of all i'm a big big fan of tesla (laughs) but but sometimes i think that like elon musk is such an inspirational guy that it makes people think that it's all figured out you know yeah. what I mean? Like some people, sometimes people are like, yeah, but Tesla, right? Yeah. And like, you know, electric cars and all this. Yeah. And they go like, oh yeah, it's all going to be fine. We worked it out. Climate change is fixed. We should do an Elon Musk episode soon and talk about him more. I think he's been kind of revealing himself to be sort of a less inspirational guy in recent days. Oh my God. Um, like it's kind of one of those it. things where it's like, Elon, shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. Just smile and make the cars. You yeah. know what I mean? Totally. But uh, I, I do think that that's a concern. I hope that the recent IPCC report that's been making all these headlines about how we're definitely going to hit 1.5 degrees of warming by 2040 is waking people up a little bit to the urgency of what's happening. Mm -hmm. But I agree. That is a problem, I think. I think that... I I hope for mainstream people, for people who consider themselves reasonable in the center on the left and the right, will realize that we actually are far past the point where small steps will help us. And we need to make very, very large steps if we're going to avoid pretty serious problems. Right. Well, hopefully the Republicans uh, (coughs) have that in mind. Yeah, and people really aren't talking very much about it. It's not making national headlines or anything in America about climate change, and that's fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to do another episode on it. Maybe that. Maybe that's your and my job, Richard. Yeah. Maybe we. This is the headline. The, yeah. Here, call up the New York Times. <laughs> I got a headline for you. Is yeah. it hot in here? Is it just me? Yeah, political <laughs> moron and his goon friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Too real. Oh, man. Okay, so 
Is that is that pretty much the midterms in a, in a nutshell? That's the sitch we're facing on November 6th. Keep an eye on if Congress flips, if the Senate flips, right. and if, uh, if how many states end up going Republican versus Democrat, because that's going to be the real big, right. the big question. And remember, the magic number is 34 for a constitutional convention. So if 34 right. states end up Republican, we could see a constitutional convention before President Trump's term is done. And so, okay, so just to wrap, just to... You know, some eight. Um, so the Congress is up for election, and mm-hmm. they—that—that's uh, actually possible. Like that, the Democrats it's, could. It's quite. You it's know, a that, good chance. That's reasonable that they'll take back the house. The, but the Senate is—it's—they're just a bit disadvantaged with timing. Yeah. Only a third of them are up for a re-election, and the two, like the vast majority, are Democrats up for re-election, which right. is bad. And that's—and the Senate seats are the ones; those thirty-four seats is what you're talking about. I'm sorry, no. no. I was saying there's 34 states oh, yeah, yeah. needed for a constitutional convention. So keep an eye out for that. Okay. Yeah. Well, great. We're back, everybody. Hey! Um, yeah, we're, we got a bunch of exciting stuff coming up this season. Let me tell you, we are a year older, a year wiser, yeah. and shit's going to get real. We've been storing our energy for a year to just unleash it upon the world. That's right. As always, um, you can reach us... Uh, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, or by email. Explain it to Jamie on all of those platforms or explain it to Jamie at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of the app. Let us know if you have a topic that you want us to explore. Um, if you have friends that you think would like this, share it with them. We, we, we want to reach as many many ears as we as we possibly can. And, and your recommendation goes a long way. So thank you very much for listening this far. Um, especially into this end of episode commercial. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, until next time, I'm Jamie. I'm Richard. This has been Explain It to Jamie. Woo!